What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports, episode 101, almost to that two-year, which is cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got preseason overreactions, crazy week of preseason football. I didn't think I'd be saying that, especially as a Jets fan. We'll get into that a little bit later. Fantasy football needs. I know everyone who's listening to this, you're trying to think, how the hell am I supposed to beat Skyler in this fantasy football league this year? Well, I'm going to tell you how. With our top five players at each position, Kyle, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got that this week, and then we'll probably do some sleepers and some busts in the next couple of weeks before we actually get into the NFL season. But a lot of baseball, a lot of football to talk about this yeah, week. First half baseball. Oh, yeah. Let's go ahead and get it started with the opener, though. And I want to talk about Jacob DeGrom, who is DeGromonant once again, as he has always been uh, when he's been pitching these last two years, when he went six innings, two hits, zero runs, zero walks, and 10 strikeouts against the Phillies on Sunday, I believe that was. I, there's these great pitchers in the league where there's like Dylan Cease and Verlander who are actually matching up tonight, and all these other top-of-the-line guys like McClanahan and Scherzer, and then there's DeGrom. Like it's the level of those great pitchers to DeGrom. Like there's a tier difference there, which is kind of crazy to think about. I definitely agree. It's like every time we know the angels are coming in town, we try to see him at least a couple times every year. Cause we're never going to see another Mike Trout. I feel the same way mm-hmm. with DeGrom. Yeah. Uh, anyways, mine is uh, some preseason football Seattle at Pittsburgh. I kind of thought this one would suck, but it ended up being an awesome game because we got two quarterback battles here if you want to say it. geno smith versus drew lock for seattle drew lock played pretty well and uh kenny pickett versus trubisky kenny pickett ended up having a game-winning touchdown three seconds left i'll get more into the rookie quarterbacks but uh awesome game uh that that would be a throwaway moving on to the immaculate sports player of the week we're going with rookie quarterback skylar thompson playing for the miami dolphins who played the full game for the dolphins in their win 26 to 24 over the tampa bay buccaneers this past weekend he did pretty good too 20 for 28 218 yards and a touchdown no picks not a guy that's going to be getting a starting job anytime soon i assume but pretty cool to, to see a guy like this who me and Skyler have kind of joked about for a long time yeah. actually doing well. So he's the Mackett Sports Player of the Week. Let's get to the team report. Skyler, you got anything with the Jets this week? Well, actually, I know you got quite a bit with the Jets. Yes. Uh, the Jets beat the Eagles in week one. But that doesn't matter because our quarterback decided to scare the shit out of everybody and wreck his knee. All the social media doctors swore it was a torn ACL. We find out today... No additional damages to the torn meniscus. So he's going to be out for at least two weeks. He says he's ready for week one, but uh, I expect Flacco to be out there against Baltimore because Baltimore is going to, going to come after us. Um, but it, it's good to know that we don't have a lost season because that would be the absolute worst as a Jets fan to lose the season one quarter into the year. Um, but we got some bright sides, though. Some of the rookies, Brees Hall had a nice run. Garrett Wilson looks really good. Um, and one guy on defense, Michael Clements, another rookie who could have been drafted a little higher, but got arrested a couple times. This guy's an absolute thug, but he plays like an absolute thug too. He had four tackles, a sack, two quarterback hits. And to get a guy like that in the fourth round, I know it's preseason, but, um, 
this guy's an absolute enforcer on defense. And it's it's awesome to find those guys late in the in the draft. I know you felt the same way about Crosby when you drafted him. You just had that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm not saying he's Crosby. It's just nice to see a guy like that. Of but course, yeah, that's yeah. a Jeff report. Yeah. I'm not going to talk anything about the Raiders game because I don't want to overreact with preseason. So yeah. I'm just going to skip by that, talk about the cuts that we made, and then also I know we have it in halftime, but I'm going to talk about the players that made the NFL 100 for the Raiders. Uh so we cut Matthew Butler, who was the D tackle who the Raiders signed over the preseason, or not the preseason, in the offseason. Uh, perhaps he's going to make the roster, obviously is now not going to. And then also Demarcus Robinson, who's been on the Chiefs for the last five years, came in in the offseason. I thought he was a surefire to make the roster, ended up cutting him today as well, which kind of shows that Matt Collins, Tyron Johnson, and Keelan Cole are probably going to be those uh, wide receiver three, four, five guys on the roster with the addition of maybe another guy coming in once cuts are made. Or we'll see what happens there. That's obviously quite a ways out, though. And then the NFL 100 guys for the Raiders, we had four of them in the bottom, uh, not bottom 50, but in between 51 to 100. Uh, there's still two possible guys that could be chosen for the Raiders. I'll talk about more of those or talk about those guys in a second. But we had our quarterback, Derek Carr, at number 65. New edge rusher Chandler Jones at 62, Max Crosby at 59, and Darren Waller at 58. Uh, obviously, Devontae Adams, probably going to be a top 10 guy. And a lot of people are saying that Hunter Renfro is going to be in the top 50 as well, which is interesting because he's a guy that you'd expect to be in the 100, but maybe in like the 60 to 70 range. But since he hasn't been selected yet, I don't really think he's going to be a guy that's not on the list because mm-hmm. he did have a hundred receptions and a hundred, a thousand yards last year. Then maybe he's 49 or 50 or just right around that range. So those would be the guys remaining. Let's talk about some baseball in the spotlight with Shay Langeliers coming up for the A's. It's Shay day. And I want to talk about it and his stats in triple a. So in AAA Las Vegas this year, Shea's first year with the athletics organization after being traded for Matt Olson in the offseason at 353 at-bats with 100 hits, 19 home runs, 56 RBIs, batting 283 with a 366 on base percentage and up to an 876 OPS. This guy rakes. He plays great defense behind the plate. Him and Sean Murphy are expected to go hand-in-hand in that catching tandem And honestly, probably make one of the best catching duos in all of the MLB uh, as far as those guys go. Uh, A's also made a couple other moves. I know David McKinnon, who was the first baseman for the Angels earlier this year, got called up because uh, Vermont Lariano being placed on the injured list. And then there was also... Uh, Steven Piscotti, who has mm-hmm. been on the A's since 2018, he ended up getting released. So good luck to Steven in his future adventures in baseball. But unfortunately, that won't be with the A's any longer. Uh, and those were the four moves that the A's made today, as well as announcing that Paul Blackburn will be shut down for the rest of the year. He hasn't pitched in a little while now at this point, and the All-Star is now going to be shut down for the rest of the year. Yeah. That's Skelly, what do you got in the spotlight? Uh, little... I don't know why I said little. Uh, let's just get into it here. Brady Singer on Sunday night, a game maybe not a lot of people notice. Pitcher for Kansas City has been tearing it up recently. He mm. threw six shutout innings against the Dodgers and uh, ended their 12-game winning streak. 
here. And he's not a, a award winner for this week. So that's why I put it in my spotlight. Um, awesome. Only gave up one hit against the Dodgers. That doesn't happen every day. It's true. He was, he's been amazing this year. I have him in fantasy, so I've been keeping a pretty good watch on him. And I've seen his starts the last couple months of, I think really since all-star break where he's just been really, really, really good. Oh, so, uh, so me and Skyler are both watching the A's game. I think right now, I yes. think that's what Skyler's got on. Uh-huh. Shay is due up next in his first at bat. And you'll guys, you guys will get our live reaction to that. Uh, we'll kind of pause the show for a little bit and watch that. That way we're not going in between both things. Uh, but while El- Elvis is hitting, let's yeah. go ahead and get into our player pitcher and rookie of the week before All we right. get into anything else. Uh, Skyler, who's your rookie of the week? My rookie of the week is going to be Edward Cabrera. I know you had him last week, but he continues the scoreless streak here. Five and two-thirds, shutout, six Ks against the Phillies, no runs this month. Uh, Elvis did just ground out into a double play, so we'll have to wait a little bit until Shay's first at-bats. Uh, so we still got a bit of time, and we're going to obviously get into the show now a bit more before we see Shay's at-bat. But my rookie of the week is going to be Vaughn Grissom who came up for the Braves this past week, 21-year-old rookie, and uh, 9 for 21 in his first week in the show, two home (laughs) runs and four RBIs. He's a stud. It just seems like the Braves just produce guys. Like, week in, week out, there's a new guy coming up that ends up doing great. A couple months ago, it was Michael Harris. This week, it was Von Grissom. How about pitcher of the week, Skeller? Who do you got? I think Logan Webb had a pretty good week. Eight shutout against uh, Pittsburgh, but my pitcher of the week has got to be Adam Wainwright. Complete game, eight Ks, one run, was a homer against Milwaukee. And St. Louis can't lose to Milwaukee right now. Uh, this is the type of performance you want out of, out of your ace, and uh, especially being 40 years old is pretty crazy. That's why he's my player of the week, too. Yeah. My pitcher of the week, is, I also have a player – my player of the week is a pitcher, but they're not the same guy because I wanted to give two guys okay. uh, some light. My pitcher of the week, though, is Jacob deGrom. Six innings, two hits, zero runs, zero walks, ten strikeouts. Like I was saying at the beginning of the show, he's amazing. Yes. Player of the week for Skyler is Adam Wainwright. Yeah. My player of the week is Michael Kopech, who went six innings, no hit, uh, three walks, and 11 strikeouts in his one start this past week. So yeah, it's starting to come around quite a bit. He was injured a lot in the past couple of years, and now that he's been healthy, he's been really good for the White Sox, uh, even in their last lackluster season. So good for Michael Kopech, because I know the White Sox have been relying on him quite a bit. Obviously, the biggest news in baseball this past week was Fernando Tatis, star shortstop for the San Diego Padres, getting suspended for 80 games without pay. Uh, For the rest of this year, the postseason of this year and the first like 30 something games of next year for the use of PEDs. He said that he took these steroids or whatever you want to call them for ringworm uh, to help treat an infection or something like that. However, if you do the research into it, it's a completely it different that, thing, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the steroid, the stuff that he was taking was like a terrible thing to take for ringworm. And it's one of the worst possible things that you could have done for it. So it begs the question of like, what the fuck are you doing, Fernando? Uh, yeah. So we got to talk about the Padres aspect of this. And we also got to talk about the actual Tatis aspect of it and his Hall of Fame chances. Let's go ahead and first dive into the Padres chances on what do you think 
how does this affect their World Series odds, so to speak? This doesn't really change my opinion on San Diego, surprisingly. I've been saying the past couple weeks it'd be great if he could come back and help them, but he's had a lot of setbacks, and I kind of had it in the back of my mind that he wouldn't be coming back this year. Uh, I'm still going to stick with my Houston and Dodgers pick for now, but I, I still think San Diego is pretty close to uh, to the Dodgers. Obviously, this this sucks, but Tatis doesn't really change my opinion. Hassan Kim has been solid at shortstop. Yeah, it's been solid. Uh, it's going to change my opinion quite a bit, I'd say. As far as these like World Series ranks go right now, I'd say the two favorites would be the Dodgers and the Mets. Those two teams just seem like they're the best teams in the league yeah. right now, and they're, they are because they have the best records. Uh, then the tier right below that Houston Yankees and Atlanta. And I think if Tatis was playing, that would be where the Padres fall in that Houston Yankees Atlanta tier. Now they're in the same spot as like a St. Louis or Milwaukee or Toronto, where you just kind of, you got to go crazy in October because you're not going to have it, get it going in, into there. So it's still possible, but it's definitely not probable now at this point. So Tatis is only 23 years old. He's obviously super young. We know if he stays healthy, he's going to be playing for a long, long time. But did this suspension already ruin Tatis' chance at being a Hall of Famer? My first impression was, hell no, he's not getting in the Hall of Fame. There's guys like Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens, who never even tested positive, who are still lumped in this group because they're suspected of taking steroids. Um, but... The younger writers of baseball really like him. Uh, I think they're going to consider him part of the story of baseball. You know, and, and we're we're talking twenty plus years down the line, especially if he does finish out his career uh, on pace of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a chance. I'm gonna say yeah. I don't think he can make the Hall of Fame now unless he does complete anomaly thing where he plays until he's 45 and breaks a whole bunch of records and wins a whole bunch of World Series. Then maybe because Barry Bonds is in it and Barry Bonds is the greatest baseball player of all time, perhaps. And I don't think once you get suspended, if you're not letting one guy get in, once they get suspended, you can't let any of them in. And so I think if we see a rod over the next nine years, if a rod gets in, then there's going to be a a big change in the voting process. If a rod gets in, do you think they, or what do you think would have to happen in order for them to like change like their past and allow bonds and allow Pete Rose and guys like that to get in. Well, we would need a lot of time to pass. Like I was saying, at least 20 years. And around that time I could see them getting uh getting a veterans committee vote. Uh, but again, it would have to be, it, it sucks to say it. And I, I don't, I don't mean to, you know, be rude when I say this, we need a lot of these guys to either step down or die because, <laughs> I, and I, I'm not wishing it. That's not what I'm saying, but it's, the people who are currently reality, voting yeah. that's for the Veterans Committee will never allow them in. Yeah, that's true. Let's go ahead and talk about the Guardians now on a different note because they are a super fun team to watch right now. They sit at 62-54 and 54 as we speak and are holding a two-game lead in the AL Central over the White Sox and the Twins. And there's just not a lot of people talking about this team. Mm. They have a great second baseman. They have a great shortstop. They have one of the best third basemen in all of baseball. They have great pitching staff. They're a fun team to watch. They have great bullpen. Are the Guardians the most underrated team in the Major League Baseball scene, Skeller? I think they're properly rated right now. 
their strengths are really extreme. The on-base percentage, the ERA are great, but so are the weaknesses. They're 29th in home runs. They're 18th in pitching strikeouts. I think they're an above-average regular season team, and that's what most people view them as. I'm a, I don't know about the most under, underrated team. I think the Phillies are pretty underrated now at this this point of season. I think everybody's been thinking the same old Phillies as the past few years, but they're playing really damn good baseball. So I'd say the Phillies are the most underrated team. I think the Guardians can do something in the playoffs with this team that they have going on because they're not striking out. They have great contact rate. And if you're playing in the postseason, say you're going to New York or you're going into Houston – those contact rates are yeah. going to help you out. And when those you're in those small ballparks, maybe that power plays a bit better. I know it will for J-Ram. He's not a guy who's going to hit the ball 450 feet, but he has some of the, like, I think he has one of the most amounts of balls hit over like 350 feet or something like that, where it's not, it's like a wall scrapers home run, stuff like that. So he's a guy who has a ton of pop. He's a great leader. And the team has got so much speed, so much contact. They play great defense. They have great pitching. They do everything right except for hit the ball out of the ballpark. So I'd say they're the second most underrated team in all of baseball. Yeah. Let's talk about a shortstop in their division, Carlos Correa, who currently plays for the Minnesota Twins. Correa is in a he's in the middle of a three-year deal right now, but he has an opt-out out of in between every single year uh, and hold that thought because Shay Langeliers is coming to the plate right now for his first big league at bats. And he swings the first pitch down the line. Is that oh. a fair ball? That's a fair ball. That's an extra base hit. Perhaps is he going to get into second? He is. Yeah. Shay with a double in the first pitch that he's. Yeah. Family That's going awesome. crazy. Lead-off double for Shea. How about that? 24-year-old's pumped. He doesn't know what to do with his stuff. <laughs> wow, people actually take this stuff for me? <laughs> Rip that was down right down the line. We didn't even know awesome... it was fair. Yeah. All right, you go ahead, Sky. Oh, I was just going to say, hopefully, uh, you know, great start to an awesome career. Because uh, obviously this is a big piece in, in the Matt Olson trade. Possibly the biggest one. I think he thought it was foul. I don't know. They haven't shown a single replay of it. He, well, you did not wait long to, to swing. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, we'll to get be going. them fourth tomorrow. I want us to see a replay before we get back into it. Right, well, here's the mail machine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go ahead and get back to yeah. Carlos Correa and the Twins talk. So he's in the middle of that three-year deal right now. Has an opt-out out of every single wheel. After every single year. And there's a lot of talk saying that he's going to opt out. And so that obviously begs the question, where is Carlos Correa going to go? He's one of the best shortstops that we've seen in the past 10 years of baseball. So where do you think Correa ends up next year? Do you think he comes back and plays with the Twins? Or do you think something else might be in store for him? I say there's a a better chance he does opt out. Uh, I feel like this was a kind of a prove-it year for him and a prove-it deal, obviously, with the opt-outs. I think the Yankees are a perfect fit on paper, but that's only if they'll accept them in the clubhouse, and that's probably not very likely. So I'm looking at the teams who are a little ahead of schedule right now. Baltimore, Seattle would be awesome fits. Guys who, uh, guys, teams who kind of missed out on uh, the shortstop last year and have money to spend. Maybe even San Francisco would be in that group, too. So those are the three I'm looking for. Yeah. 
couple teams that come to mind for Correa, because I do think he's going to end up leaving. I think Correa's mindset is that he wants to be the guy on a team. And even though there's not a lot of teams that he, that he can do that for, I think that's what he's going to end up trying to do. Uh, I think he can be that guy in San Francisco because they don't really have that star on their team right now. Mm-hmm. They just have a sol- bunch of solid players. And then I think Miami is a is the front runner for me, in my opinion. I think he would be a perfect fit over there. He's a guy who I think has expressed want to play in Miami or in Florida, closer to home, and uh, that'd make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm going. I'm saying Correa goes to the Marlins next year All right. on his 150, 180 million dollar deal. Let's go ahead and set it to halftime, Skyler. Yeah, halftime. Start off with some baseball. Another pitching injury, which sucks. Walker Bueller for the Dodgers. Shut down for the entire year. Battling with injuries the past couple of years. I picked him as a Cy Young winner a couple of times. It's just he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And uh, I don't think this this changes World Series odds for the Dodgers. But um, there's obviously a difference between uh, Tyler Anderson and Walker Bueller and a, a big playoff game on the road. You know, um, and that's all I got for Walker Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> you got anything? Nah, you're all That's good. what I thought. All right. Uh, NBA retires the number six. That's Bill Russell's number. We talked about it two weeks ago, I think, that he passed away. Um, and players who are still wearing it will be grandfathered in, like LeBron. But uh, I think this is important. I, I agree. This is the Jackie Robinson of the NBA, first black head coach, um, and obviously one of the best players of all time. So I'm down for it. Yeah, of course. Russell's one of the goats of basketball. Yeah. All right. Uh, got a little special segment here. The rookie quarterback roundup from week one of preseason. I got some numbers here for you. You ready, Kyle? I'm ready. Let's start off with Kenny Pickett, I think was the best so far. 13 for 15, only 95 yards, but two touchdowns, including the game winner with three seconds left. We got Skylar Thompson, who you talked about. 243 all-purpose yards in a touchdown was the most accurate over uh, 15 attempts if you're not counting Kenny Pickett. Uh, Matt Corral for Carolina, only one, one for nine with 11 yards. Uh, doesn't yeah. have it yet. He won't be playing this year, I don't think. Uh, but he did have a game-winning drive, I think. He got sacked like three times, but there was all defensive penalties, and then he had a six-yard run, and they kicked a field goal. That all right. Bonus points for Matt Corral, then. Uh, the quarterback he beat was Sam Howell from Washington. Nine for 16, 145 yards, but two rushing touchdowns. Not a bad day for Sam Howell. Desmond Ritter, Atlanta's quarterback, 10 for 22, 103 yards, two touchdowns, but also 60 rushing yards. Malik Willis from Tennessee, six for 11, 107 passing yards, but 38 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. And one more I wanted to throw in there, Bailey Zappi from the Patriots. 19 for 32, with 205 yards, touchdown and interception. He played the entire second half of that one, and they looked pretty good. Oh, yeah. I remember doing this last year, and it gives me some uh, nostalgic vibes from from last year. Mm -hmm. So it's it's good to hear these names again. I've heard them in mock drafts. I've heard them in speculation. But to see these guys actually playing, whether it be preseason or not, is pretty cool to see. They got a number on their back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, the NFL are doing their annual top 100, and we're down to 51, I believe. Um, some bad picks in there for sure. 
And I know you got a couple that come to mind right away. Uh, there is Kirk Cousins, uh, who's at 99, I think. And then there's also Mac Jones, uh, which is an interesting dilemma on who you think is better there. Uh, I'd probably say Kirk's better at this time, uh, but that's not what the NFL players think. So, mm. um, try to find one more. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Kyler Murray was ranked ahead of Russell Wilson. In oh this yeah, one. that, that one didn't sit one. well with me. Um, I know Wilson's been injured, but to drop him forty nine spots is uh, pretty mm. crazy. And yeah. that's that's about it. You know, obviously we could sit here for hours and and debate about him, but we know the list isn't going to be perfect. That's why we have this podcast going because we don't trust these guys at NFL.com. Of course, we're the new media. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's all I, uh, I would say. <laughs> the new media. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, but that's all I got for halftime. Uh, this segment hopefully will be filled and filled throughout the weeks through the NFL season because it's going to be mostly uh, mostly football. Where's your head at? I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. Let's go ahead and talk about football in the second half, though. And we're starting to, with our preseason week one in overreactions. Leaf Skyler, you have five of them, right? I have four. four. Gotcha. I'll let yeah. you go first then because I have three. Uh, now that way things will work out. A we might have similar so ones too. What is your? Uh, yeah, we'll 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 get there if, it, yeah. if those streets cross. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll see where we're at. Skyler, what do you got? I got the Eagles will win the NFC East. It's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what makes you think that? Having a wide receiver one like AJ Brown in this offense that was already clicking really fast with the running game last year uh, solidifies it. They had their one drive against the jets and I know our defense is horrible, but Hertz was six for six with 80 yards. He went wherever he wanted. We mm-hmm. couldn't stop him. Yeah. Hertz Hertz is going to be pretty good. We'll talk more about how the Eagles are going to be uh, perhaps, or some players on the team. Uh, once we get mm-hmm. to our fantasy rankings, my first overreaction is Justin Fields is going to be sacked the most in the NFL. Uh, that offensive line in Chicago is absolutely terrible. They're placed in a fierce pass rush in week one against the Niners. It's not going to start off well, and it's not going to end well if Justin Fields is playing throughout this whole year with that O-line. Yeah, uh, that seems pretty accurate, man. Uh, if it's not the Jets combined, <laughs> then uh, then it's them. Uh, my next one, I'll say Kenny Pickett will be a star. interesting he he's had a very weird like uh outlook on him i mm-hmm. think for the past year or so where we knew that he was going to be average i think that's yeah. really what we knew but that upside wasn't really shown either so we thought that he could be just the kirk cousins yes an everyday kirk cousins uh super early in his career though so we'll see how that turns out and if there's thing does come true then she's gonna end up pretty yeah. being pretty good uh my second overreaction is trevor lawrence is poised to make the biggest jump of all the year two quarterbacks uh, and i think that's partially due to his coaching being so different from last year i think trevor lawrence is a super talented quarterback but with urban meyer in that offense last year it was just a mess doug peterson gives those guys directions and even though he's in a great head coach he's not a terrible head coach either 
he's got more weapons this year. I know it's Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and ETN. And it's not any crazy big star, but they're better than the guys that we they had last year. And I think they probably made the best improvements as far as uh, not total improvements. Like I think some other teams with year two quarterbacks had some bigger moves. But as far as total improvement, I think the Jags did the best for those year two guys. Yeah, they spent the most money. I still think uh, we shouldn't expect too much from him this year, but absolutely he's got a, a massive roster overhaul. Yeah, uh, and I'm not saying to pick him in fantasy in the first round yeah. or anything like that, but maybe yeah, if you want a second quarterback uh, in the last round or looking to wave, wave a wire guy for a week, Trevor Lawrence may, might be that guy. All right. Kellen Mond should start for Minnesota. I think that's very interesting, Skeller, because he played really good against the Raiders. Yes. I was going to say something about that, but it was against the Raiders' mm. second stringers yes. because the Raiders' second stringers suck. Mm-hmm. I just, I, and, you know, I'm not saying I want this to happen. I just think it'd be interesting. If you find out you do have a young guy, then it'll be a lot easier to move on from Kirk Cousins because that's what's probably going to happen here pretty soon. That's true. Uh, the improvement of Mond is something to be watched upon. Obviously, he's going to get a good amount of reps in uh, preseason. But last year, he was so bad, too. You know, like he was extremely, mm-hmm. extremely bad. It's not like Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback. He's that 12th, 13th range guy where, you know, he's not going to win you a Super Bowl, but he's not going to lead a team to two wins, you know? So... Maybe Kelamon ended up being that guy. My last overreaction is Daniel Jones doesn't win a game versus a non-NFC East team this year. Uh, <laughs> and that's because Daniel Jones fucking sucks. He's really bad at football. Uh, I know people in New York have been saying year after year that this guy just needs the right situation. He seems like needs things to go his way. Uh, at some point, some point, though, things don't go your way. And you just got to move on. And I think the Giants might be in for another really shitty year, unfortunately, for them. You know, I didn't have any uh, Daniel Jones-related stuff here, but now that you say it, uh, I think a good bet would be Tyrod Taylor, like, over six and a half starts this year. Is he on the Giants? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Uh-huh. Ooh. I'd take the under. Okay. I'd take the under. I'd definitely take the under. Yeah. Unless <laughs> he right. gets hurt. Which is possible. It's happened. I got one more for you. Trey Lance will take the Niners to the playoffs. Is that a bold? Or is that a like anything crazy though? I think that's the only thing. So the Niners were were good. They made it to the NFC Championship with Jimmy Garoppolo, and we yeah. know how bad he is. So Trey Lance just needs to not be astronomically bad. Trey Lance will take the Niners to the Super Bowl. How about that? That's pretty. That's pretty. Okay. Now we're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> That's the overreaction we're looking for. Not yeah. to like point you out or anything like that. Mm. I just think the Niners have a really good football team outside true. of their, their quarterback position. And if they had like that top tier quarterback, then they instantly get thrown into that top realm of football teams. But the this unknown is not is a there. pick I'm going to make. Um, but I think we should keep in mind that this guy hasn't been unleashed yet. And Shanahan is the perfect guy for hiding weakness, I think. Sure. He's really good at promoting your strengths. Mm. All righty, guys. Welcome back. 
Let's go ahead and get into our fantasy predictions. We're going position by position here. We're starting off with the quarterback. Top five, top five, top five. Um, For this, do you want to start at number one and then go down from there? Sure. I'm I think uh, for all these, uh, the number one guy is kind of more known than the number five guy. So I yeah. think it'd be more fun that way. Starting off with number one, Skyler, who is your top fantasy prediction for the number one QB? It's got to be Josh Allen, right? He's going to be up there in passing yards um, and also runs people over. Rushing touchdowns are important for your fantasy quarterback. He's got to be number one. Yeah, Josh Allen's pretty unanimous here. I go with him at number one as well. Mm-hmm. What about number two? Number two is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Can also get those rushing touchdowns for you and likely going to be number one in passing yards. Yeah, I also have Mahomes here. I think he might have a slow one week or two, uh, but he'll get back into the groove of things, even without Tyree Kill. What about number three? Number three, I have Lamar Jackson. Everyone around him is finally healthy, including him. And I mean, I really need to say it. He can run the ball pretty well, too. That's true. He's a running back. <laughs> Uh, number three for me is going to be Justin Herbert. I think he gets that slight edge over Lamar because of Lamar's number, not number one target, but Hollywood Brown not being on that team anymore. I think he's going to hurt him a little bit. And I know there's a lot of belief in Rashad Bateman, mm. but Hollywood is more proven than Rashad is. So I'm taking the surefire guy and Justin Herbert at number three, number four, number four. I'm going to do Jalen Hurts. He was, I believe, number three last year, and I think he's going to be better. So it makes sense to keep him in the top five here. Yeah. I'm going with Lamar at four. Like I was saying, I think he's still going to be great. Just not as good as a guy like Justin Herbert, but he's going to get a ton of rushing yards. And those are more valuable in fantasy than they are passing yards. Uh, Number five, Skyler. Is Herbert. Uh, And there's not a big difference here between three, four, and five. Uh, It's just the other guys run a little more, you know, more chance of points. It's true. Uh, that's the thing in fantasy predictions too. Like the quarterbacks that run mm-hmm. are going to be prone to more points because those points or those yards are more valued than throwing yards are. So I have Jalen Hurts at number five. Uh, but I do think it's pretty interesting about this stuff though, is that we didn't even mention Brady, like not yeah. once. And those, that guy, we know he's not going to run. He might get a QB, a couple QB sneaks, but he, He's going to pass the ball a ton, but maybe he'll still be top 10 drop off the top. We'll see. Yeah. But, uh, Jalen Hurts is my number five spot. Let's go ahead and get to the running backs. Now, Skyler, who is your number one running back? I got to go with Jonathan Taylor here because another situation where his quarterback's changing. Sure. But uh, again, everything around him isn't changing much either. And, uh, no real threat to take any carries from him. Yeah. Number one for me is going to be CMC. If this guy is healthy for as many games Jonathan Taylor is or Derrick Henry is, he will be the best running back in fantasy football. There is zero doubt in my mind about that. The only question is, is how healthy is this guy going to be? Two years in a row where he hasn't played much and he's cost a lot of people who's taken him number one or number two overall their seasons. But... If this man is healthy, I haven't read much about him going into the camp and into the season, but if he looks good, he stays healthy, he is going to be the best running back in fantasy football, without a doubt. Number two. Number two is Derrick Henry. I know he was hurt last year, but he he came back for the playoffs and didn't skip a beat. So 
He's still going to be up there. Another guy, uh, no chance of losing carries when healthy. Yeah. Number two for me is going to be Jonathan Taylor. Skyler mentioned everything that he needed yeah. to at, for him at number one, so I'm not going to say much, but this guy's a stud. Number three. Joe Mixon. It's going to be the fastest-paced offense in the NFL next year, and sometimes you got to run out the clock. True. Number three for me is going to be Derrick Henry. It's the king, man. It's the king. Number four. Dalvin Cook. Another situation where if he stays healthy, he's top five no matter what. Madison's pretty good, but not not big enough to to take fantasy points, you know. Yeah. Number four for me is going to be Mixon. I think this guy that mentioned a lot of things where he's going to be in that fast-paced offense and all that stuff, but he's also going to get so many touchdowns with this mm-hmm. team. That team's going to move the ball, but I don't think they have the – Best goal line receivers. I think they have a lot of great deep threats on their team, but that goal line guy is going to be mixing and he's going to get in a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns for that team this year. Mm-hmm. Number five, Aaron Jones. Green Bay doesn't have Devontae. Uh, those targets, I think, are going to turn into more rushing attempts, especially with AJ Dillon too on the team, but I'm not scared about him losing touches he's uh he's a monster and wanted to let you know before you talk about that home run uh cmc not on the board i took him two years in a row i will not be taking him this year sorry i had to pause there because sean murphy just hit a ball 450 feet to dead center (laughs) 111 miles per hour off the bat that's pretty nice uh sorry number five for me is gonna be naji uh, I think we, we've heard quite a bit that this guy's workload might go down a little bit compared to last year, but I think he's just, he's going to get as many receptions. He's going to get as many touchdowns, if not more, because they're not going to have as much trust and pick it at the goal line as they are in one of the best backs in the league because big Ben isn't there anymore. Uh, and even though big Ben wasn't good last year, there was a lot of trust between Tomlin and big Ben in that once we get down there, we can throw and it's going to be okay. Ben's not going to give away the ball. And so I got Najee at number five. That makes sense. Top five receivers, Skyler. Number one, Cooper Cup. Yeah, you're not going to like it, but it's Cooper Cup. Um, I mean, come on. Playing in a PPR league, he's got to stay at number one until Devontae proves me wrong. It's a cheat code. I'm going Cooper Cup at number one, too. Number two. Number two is Devontae. Very, very close. Is going to be a big focal point for, uh, for Vegas for so many reasons. Of course, yeah. Uh, number two for me is also Devontae. It's weird. I was looking at when I was making these, I was trying to see what some other guys are saying too in like the ESPN pros. I have the air quotes uh, yeah. up as far as pro goes because nobody's a pro fantasy player. But Except for Matthew Berry. A lot of people have hit, had Devontae at like number four, number seven, like not at that one or two spot, which is weird to me because even though the Raiders probably had more weapons than that Green Bay offense did, I think it's going to be just as good as far as that connection goes. All right, number three. Justin Jefferson. Just keeps getting better and didn't think it was possible. Yeah, Jettas is amazing. He is not my number three, though. My number three is going to be Debo because this guy is going to get rushing yards. Even though he said that he doesn't want to play running back, he's still he's going to now that he got paid. He's going to get a ton of touchdowns, and he's going to be that main guy in that Niners offense for sure. Uh, when in Minnesota – Dalvin Cook's also going to be taking the ball quite a bit away from uh, good old Justin Jefferson, even though they play different positions. Yeah. Uh, number four. Jamar Chase going to get so many touchdowns this year. 
I went with Justin Jefferson at number four. I think he is the true number three best wide receiver in the league. Uh, when we talk about true talent yeah. and and all that stuff, I think Debo's kind of a bit off as far as wide receiver goes, but he's a great weapon in general. But Jeff Justin Jefferson's a stud, and he's entering year three. And year three in the past for some big time receivers has been the big, big, big year. Uh, and when you've already had two big, big, big years, is scary for year three. What about number five, Skyler? Number five, I went with A.J. Brown instead of Debo here because, and, and I'm, again, purely talking PPR, I think he's going to have so many targets, dude. It's, it, it, was, it was hard for me not to, to get him in my top five. Number five for me is going to be Tyreek Hill. I think what Mike McDaniel is going to do for him in Miami. Is He's going to be wondrous. in a similar. Yeah. And it's going to be very fun to watch. He is in a crazy system. He's going to get a lot of reverses. He's going to get rushing yards. He's going to get passing yards. Even if it's not going deep on those 75-yard bombs that he would get from Mahomes, two is accurate. Two is, two is super accurate when it comes to those short pass throws. I think uh, Mike McDaniel, just like Kyle Shanahan, is very good at getting those players in those advantageous uh, situations. I think he's going to do that well with Tyreek this year. Let's go to top five tight ends. Skyler, who do you got at number one? Yeah, Travis Kelsey's going to start it off. He's going to get even more looks than last year with Tyreek Hill gone, which is crazy to think. Yeah, I got to explain this one. This is a surefire slam dunk. Travis Kelsey. Number two. Yeah. Number two, Mark Andrews. Very similar here in the Baltimore offense. He's the definition of the safety blanket for Lamar. And he's been awesome since he got in the league. Yeah. Number two for me is also going to be Mark Andrews. This guy, he had a great year last year, and he's going to be Lamar's number one target with no Hollywood Brown this year. And let's let's pause it right here because Shay's coming up for his second at that right now so i know skyler wants to watch this i know i want to watch this yeah. uh, and we'll we'll fill you in on how this goes along uh, elvis andrews actually just got hit by a pitch up and in the last batter off of his hand but he seems like he's good to go oh, maybe Jay's we'll call up our top shortstop right prospect yeah oh wait we didn't trade for him that's true <laughs> we jay's coming to the plate with runners on first and second nobody out in the top of the third up three nothing Against Kohi Arihara and the Rangers. Swings again on that first pitch. Slider away. Gets him to swing and miss there, though. He's not getting that fastball again. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's getting that same pitch that he got on the inner half last time. Pretty interested about his discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of comps to him and Sean Murphy being pretty similar players. I don't know how that's actually going to go. Another one oh. that he hit pretty hard. A changeup in that he slashed foul. Uh, and that makes the count now 0 and 2 on a replay of Shay's first hit. So it was fair by a yeah. couple feet. I don't know really where he thought that was going to bounce. Uh, what made him slow down around first, but someone said some, somebody said something to him, maybe as he put his head down. Runner. Who knows? Yeah. 0 and 2. 2 count now, though, to Shay. Good take on a changeup that was way down. RBI yeah. chance for Shea, his first RBI chance in his big league career. Always exciting. True. Showing the friends and the family. Only one cell phone out within the group. That's pretty crazy to think. Yeah. Well, they are from. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
The one, two. The Shea Langoliers. <laughs> the payoff pitch. Uh, swing and a miss. Change up inside. That was kind of a weird pitch. I think he, I don't know if he got fooled or something, but. Uh, Maybe looking for the slider. Shea, unfortunately, will not be hitting 1,000 in his big league career. Had to come sometime. It's coming right now. Go ahead and get to number three <laughs> of our tight end fantasy predictions. Skyler, who do you got uh-huh. here? Yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard here from Philly. I think play action is going to be a huge improvement to the Philly offense this year, and uh, this is the guy for it. I don't think you'd be this high on Philly. I'm going with Darren Waller at number three. I think he's the number two target in this offense, even with Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams. Uh, and if he's healthy, we know how good he is. So mm. number three, Darren Waller. How about number four? Yeah, number four is Waller, and it's very close. Just like you said. Number four for me is going to be George Kittle. This guy's really good, but for some reason, the Niners like to block him more than they actually use him in the past. Uh, I know Kittle loves blocking, but he's, he needs to catch the ball more. I just don't think it's going to be enough to warrant the number two or number three spot in fantasy this year. How about number five? This is kind of a, I mean, for you, it's pretty solid here. I think you're going to say Kittle, uh, but the, other guys besides Goddard are interesting options. I'm going to say Dalton Schultz here. I don't really trust Shanahan calling plays for Kittle because he hasn't really used them for the past year and a half. So Dalton Schultz here, they're losing to Murray Cooper. I think we're going to see Dalton Schultz out in the slot a lot more. And he's pretty good out there last year. So guess the knock. A popular number five would be Kyle Pitts. I'm not going with Kyle Pitts here though, Mm -hmm. because I think that Atlanta team is going to suck. I like Mariota. He was fun in the one game that he played for the Raiders, but he's just not. He's bound to get hurt, too. He's not that guy, is what I'm trying to say. And as much yeah. as like as I like Desmond Ritter, I don't think rookie Desmond Ritter is going to get the job done for him either. So I'm going with TJ Hawkinson. I think he's going to be a pretty big focal point in that Detroit Lions offense. Even though it's not that good of an offense and it's not that much better than the Falcons, I think it's a lot smoother. I think he's going to have a great year uh, for Detroit. And a team that's trending upwards in the past year or so. Let's go ahead and get to our bets. And let's go ahead and get on out of here. Last year, or not last year, last week, me and Skyler went two for two in our layups. I had Houston over Texas on Thursday. That's baseball goes. And Houston ended up sweeping that series. So obviously the one on Thursday. And Skyler had Baltimore minus three and a five. 3.5 3.5 versus the Tennessee Titans that did end up hitting as Baltimore extended their win streak to 21 in the preseason game. 21 or 22. It might be last. It might be on it. Last time yeah. that they lost in the play or not in the playoffs in the preseason was when Kevin Durant was on the OKC Thunder. <laughs> that seems crazy to think. Uh-huh. Also think about when you think about it, there was no preseason in 2020. There was only three preseason games in 2021. So we're slimming down there, but Ravens are the, by far the greatest preseason team of all time. This week, though, I have the Cardinals over the Colorado Rockies on Wednesday. That is a Jordan Montgomery start at home versus Ermon Marquez, who has been terrible this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with the Cardinals there. Yeah, similar strategy. I'm taking Tampa Bay over Kansas City on Thursday. That's a shame. McClanahan start, and he's been pretty good, Kyle. Uh, he has. Uh, last week for bold predictions did not go well for me and Skyler. I had Kansas City over Chicago on Saturday because 
Chicago was three and a half point favorites. They ended up winning that game because I guess Kansas City's backups suck. Uh, and they ended up losing 14 to 19 in that one. And then Skyler had the Dodgers sweeping Kansas City over the weekend. They got two out of three. But Brady Singer, like Skyler yeah. said in the opening part of our show, was amazing on Sunday and ended up taking down the Dodgers and their 12 game win streak at that point. This week, though, I have the Chicago Bears over Seattle on the on Saturday, I think. I think that's what day the game is. No, it's on Thursday. It's really early this week, so it's two days. Uh, for some reason, Seattle's like five and a half point favorites. I don't know why. Uh, so I'm taking Chicago. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with some more baseball here. The Astros winning the series at Atlanta. I don't like making these bets, but whenever I'm in a jam, uh, Houston seems to pull me out of it. Uh, so that's a three game series. Houston's going to win it at Atlanta. I still like Atlanta, but you know, for the full prediction purposes, this is what I have. Of course. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for episode 101 of the Immaculate Sports. A lot of episodes. The the going the distance podcast presented to you by Immaculate (laughs) Sports. Well, next week, more football, more everything, more baseball, more injuries. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, maybe less NBA, even though we didn't talk about the NBA much, except for Bill Russell. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll We're see you then. There. Maybe Little League Baseball. Yeah, Little League World Series. That starts going tomorrow. On. Starts tomorrow. But yeah, we'll let's go then. Northern California, if they're in. Oh, Northern California. Yeah. Oh, baby. <laughs>